Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, In This House. There are certain things that define every household, things that make them unique, and things that are important to them. A church many times functions the same way. In this series, we are going to look at the things that are important to us here at Connection and what it means to be a part of a church family. Well, good morning, good morning. My name is John, and I am the student pastor here, and I am just thrilled to be able to come and speak with you all this morning. I'm very thankful for Brandon, just for his heart for this church, for his heart for, for youth, and just um, just his love to, to serve people. And um, and with that, just as, as Billy was talking about, um, we are extremely grateful um, for the men and women that serve this country um, as we are getting ready to celebrate um, the 4th of July. And so um, we're just so thankful for um, their willingness um, to, to serve people they don't even know, and just to, for some of them, um, giving the, the the ultimate um, sacrifice for um, for us to be able to even meet in here um, in freedom, and so we are very thankful for that. And just um, um, for those that um, that serve in the military, we just um, want to say, I'm um, here at Connection. We're just very thankful for you and thankful for what you do um, for us and what you do for this country. Um, we are talking about reaching the lost today in this series, um, in this house with um, what we've been going through. And Brandon talked to me about a month ago about um, uh, sharing this message. And um, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I think this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, I'm not always the best at reaching the lost, but it's something that's very close to my heart. And um, I'm excited to be able to, to share with you all this morning. Um, throughout this whole series, we really have been looking at what are the things that are important to us in this house as, as part of Connection Church? What are the things that we just identify with? What are the parts of our DNA? And so we, uh, we talked about God's word. Obviously, you know, God's word is, is so important to us. It should be the, the backbone to, to everything we do. And so obviously that's going to be something um, that's, that's very important to us here at Connection. We talked about you know, serving other people and, and what an example of God's love, what an example of the gospel um, is by just serving and loving um, other people through, through that service. And so that's, that's something that we're always going to talk about. We're always going to encourage. Um, we talked about, about worship and about how it's um, so much more than just music, but um, corporately, you know, music is a, is a great way for us to be able to worship. And so I'm um, speaking about that today. I know um, it's a little different today, right? Um, a little bit different. It was kind of like, you know, club connection going on up in here. And so it's always funny though. Like I was watching y'all as you come in and it's funny watching the different people come in. Cause you have some people, they come in, they're like, what? Um, okay. And then you got other people, they come in, they're like, all right. They start doing the head bob. Other people, they're just like, you know, like doing all this different stuff. And like, it was cool because you saw some of the older people and all of a sudden they start doing a little two-step, right? You saw a little bit. And so it was cool because towards the end of the set, we all kind of got to a point where you kind of understood what was going on and you realized that they're the same songs. And so, you know, it was the same thing last week when a lot of y'all came in here and we you did a whole set of hymns. And for a lot of y'all, that was different. For a lot of y'all, you know, that made you maybe a little bit uncomfortable because you weren't as used to it. And I know um, since Matt's been doing things, you know, I know things have looked a little bit different for, for some of y'all in here. And I think just to speak into that for a second, um, Greg, who um, used to lead worship here, he's one of my best friends, and um, I love him, and he... Um he loved this church. He loved leading us in worship. And he took us to places that we never would have gone without him. And he, his blood and his sweat and his tears were poured out onto this stage week in and week out. And um, we were just so just really honored and privileged to be able to have him lead us in worship. And Matt has already placed his blood, sweat, and tears over this stage. And we are honored and we are privileged to be able to have Matt. And he's going to be able to take us to places we've never been able to go before. And the reality is this, is that when we first started this church, when people first started coming and they looked at it, many of y'all, when you first started coming, you looked at what was going on and you said, that's just different than what I was used to. That's different than what I've, I've been, been experienced in the past. 
And now some of you, those very same people are going, ah, it's a little bit different than what I'm used to. But the reality is this, is that when we first started this church, we wanted to do different things to reach different people. We saw that, you know, if we continue doing the same stuff, that we're just going to reach the same group of people. And we want to be a church that reaches out to not just a minority, not just a certain group of people that look a certain way or think a certain way. We want to reach out to whoever we can come across. And so the reality is, is whether we're singing songs in the, the hem format or whether we're doing it more with the electronic and the kind of DJ feel, just as Matt said in the beginning, it's about Jesus. And like both weeks, last week and this week, we praised Jesus. We lifted his name as high as we possibly could. And we gave him all of the glory and all of the honor. And so the reality is whether it's a hymn or whether it's a DJ, it's all about Jesus. Whether it's a high school auditorium or it's a chapel, it's all about Jesus. Whether it's jeans or it's a suit, it's all about Jesus. And man, I'm pumped that that's what this church is about, that we want to go out and reach as many people as possible by doing different things. And when I thought about that, I was immediately thought about a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, verse 22. It says this, it says, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And so if you're sitting here, you're going, why did they just do worship like that? So we may win some for the gospel. Why did we do hymns last week? So we can win some for the gospel. I feel like this ties in so closely to what we're talking about today, about reaching the lost. This is why we do what we do. It's all about the lost, but we're always going to do it in the spirit of lifting Jesus' his name high. And so the context might be a little bit different, but the content is always about Jesus. So I'm pumped about that. I hope you're pumped about that and encouraged by the worship this morning. Um, what I want to do is I want to pray for us right now, and then we are going to continue um, looking at this topic. So won't you join me in prayer? Well, Father, God, I am um, so humbled um, to even be up here right now, God. I'm thankful for this opportunity that you have um, given to me, God. And I just pray that this morning... God, that um, whoever's in here, that the one takeaway they have is that your son, Jesus' name, is lifted high. And that, God, I I pray that this morning um, we're challenged. God, I pray that we're encouraged. And I pray we walk out of this this building with confidence, with boldness, to go out and to reach more people um, for your your son, God. And so, God, I just pray that um, speak through me today, God. And um, don't allow it to be my own agenda, God, but allow it to be um, what you're wanting to speak to the individuals that are in this room right here. So, God, we just love you. We praise you. We lift all this up in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so a couple weeks ago, um, me and the missus went to Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And I know some of you in this room, you love Disney. Like, you are just Disney fanatics. Y'all are the people. You got the Mickey ears, limited edition, right? And then you got the fanny pack whenever you go there. And you got all your stuff with the Ziploc bags for your phones. We're going to go on Splash Mountain, right? And you've got like the map. And whenever you get there, you pull out the map and you're kind of looking at it. And so you do the thing where you like place it on the ground and you get into the map, right? You're like, all right, well, we're in Tomorrowland. So if we go over here to Fantasyland, then we'll loop back. And it's like you, you just, you commit to it. And you, you know, if we go to this line, then we're going to go through that ride. Then we're going to go over to this ride. You got the whole thing down for me. Um, that's not necessarily my mindset on Disney. Um, I enjoy it. I, I liked, I liked it, but I'm not a big ride guy. I don't do um, roller coasters. And by I don't do roller coasters, I mean, I've never been on a roller coaster in my life. I don't want to be. You can't convince me that I should do this in my life. And so, but I went with my wife and, um, 
her mom and um, her sister, and um, or my wife's sister, and I realized that I needed to kind of keep my man card a, a little bit up because they're riding all the rides. I'm sitting, you know, eating popcorn, and so they were like, "Well, we're about to go do Tower of Terror," and I'm like, "Okay, you know, I'll do Tower of Terror. I can, I can do that." And so they tell me that it's this old hotel that you can go and check out. I'm like, "That'll be cool. I enjoy old hotels. I don't enjoy. It. That's weird." Um, so. I want to go check this out. But see, nobody told me that the elevators in this hotel weren't working properly, all right? And for those of you that have been on Tower of Terror, you know what I'm talking about. Had I known this, I would have taken the stairs. But um, the whole gist of Tower of Terror is you, you get into this elevator, they strap you in, and then they raise the elevator up only to then drop the elevator, raise the elevator, drop the elevator. And for some reason, we as human beings think that the very thing that could kill us would be a good thing to ride. Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. Like, and I tried to act like I, I was fine after the words, I was like, man, that didn't bother me, whatever. And like my stomach's just turning in circles and everything. And so like my idea of a ride is, is the tram, like coming in from the parking lot. I don't know about you, like, you like the tram? Anyone like the tram? Like, I love the tram because the tram operators, they always got, like, good jokes. They're always, like, Disney-themed. And so we, we'd come to our stop, and, and the tram operator would be like, make sure you get all your stuff, all your belongings, your, your cell phones. And he'd be like, hey, you know, just a little fun fact for y'all. Um, did you know that Snow White, um, she only uses Android phones? Yeah, for some reason, she had a really bad interaction with an iPhone or with an Apple product. I messed up the joke. Oh, man. I killed it at nine, and, and they loved it, and I messed it up, and this is the video one, so um, should I, we should go back and redo that one. But anyways, um, so that's why it's more magical in Disney. It's not magical up here. So, but like, I'm looking at all this, right? And so I'm thinking about Disney, and as I'm there, and as most preachers, when they're you know, going to different things, they're always looking for stories. They're always looking for, for metaphors, and I, and I was thinking about um, this message, and I was thinking about reaching the lost, and I, and I realized that probably a typical story would be, you know, a pastor going to Disney World where you see people from all over the world and, and they, they just look at it and they, they realize, man, how many of these people probably don't know Jesus and their heart just broke for all these people that, that didn't know Jesus and they were just blown away by that. And, and, and I think that's true, but I realized about three quarters of the way through that I hadn't thought that one time. I hadn't thought, man, look at all these people that need to know Jesus. I never really, that wasn't my mindset. My mindset was, I'm on vacation. Like my mindset's like, I'm here to ride some rides. I'm here to, to eat some expensive food. And like, it wasn't thinking like, man, there's a bunch of people that their eternity is on the line and not even thinking that way. And I realized that like, that's probably the case for, for a lot of us in here is that our, our mindset isn't always thinking about people's eternity. It's thinking about what we what we have to do this day. What we, you know, whether it's on, going on vacation or whether it's, you know, having to go to the ballpark or going to work, we're thinking that that's what we're supposed to do. You know, I'll go on a mission trip and I'll, or I'll go and do, you know, some evangelism for, for the kids at, at VBS, but like that, that fits into a, a little box. And I think sometimes that's where we're at. And so when I was thinking about this message, I realized the first thing that I think we need to ask ourselves is do we actually desire for other people to know Jesus? Do we desire for others to know Jesus? And most of us in here, myself included, if you were asked that question, most of us would go, yeah, absolutely. Like I would definitely want other people to know Jesus. But I think a lot of times we have to recognize that that's not always our mindset. It's the same thing for when I was in Disney World. Yeah, I desire for other people to know Jesus, but it wasn't at the forefront of my mind when it would, that it would change my interactions with people, that it would change um, what, I, what I'm doing. And I realized that maybe my desire for other people to know Jesus isn't quite as strong as maybe I thought it was. And I realized sometimes we need to recognize that. And 
Several weeks ago, we were doing a series in youth and we we're talking about how to share your faith. We we're talking about, um, I was really trying to encourage them to, to equip them with the ability to be able to do that. How do you get into that, that conversation? And, and what I recognize is that a lot of the youth, it seemed like there was just kind of this, this apathy towards wanting to talk to other people about Jesus. And, and I realized that it's kind of one of those things when I was growing up, you know, my mom would always say, you know, there's you know, three things you don't talk about. You don't talk about religion, money, or politics. And I think that's kind of in the back of our minds. A lot of us kind of have had that same mindset where there's just certain things that you're like, well, well, that's their life. I don't want to press it in that on their life. That's, that's their thing. And so a lot of times we don't feel the need or the desire to be able to do that. But, but the reality and, and what I thought about in that moment, when, when I kind of saw this, and I kind of saw some of that, that apathy. And I feel like that, that same thing is true for, for a lot of us in this room where we feel like, man, I don't want to press in on somebody's life like that. that that's their life. Um, I was immediately reminded of, of, of a scripture in the book of Acts. And in this scripture, um, it's talking about how um, Philip is going down a road and he comes across this Ethiopian who's, who's reading out of Isaiah. And um, Philip goes up to him and he says, like, do you understand what you're reading? And this is what um, the guy responded with. He says, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. And I thought about that. I'm like, man, that's so true. That's the heart of, of us in, in, the, in the gospels that the, the reality is that every single one of you, you didn't magically come to know Christ just out of nowhere. It didn't just like happen for you. Somebody, whether it was a family member, whether, whether it was at church or at a camp or whether it was one of your friends, they took the time to sit down and explain the gospel to you and explain your need for Jesus. And I think a lot of times when we say, well, that's somebody else's life, we've got to think about that for a second and say, well, somebody took the time to do it for me. So why would I not want to do it for somebody else? But again, I think we, we got to challenge ourselves on that. I think sometimes we need to recognize where we're really at. For me, that happened um, a couple weeks ago. And I'm still kind of going through this, but um, when we were, um, we went on that sold out um, conference with the youth um, several weeks ago and it was awesome. And the Lord did a lot of um, really good things. But um, when I was there, I saw a t-shirt up on the wall. They were you know, selling t-shirts and I saw a t-shirt that said, I love Jesus. <clears throat> um, and I saw that shirt. I'm like, Hey, that's cool. I love Jesus too. So I would love to have a shirt like that, but I didn't get it immediately because there was a little bit of hesitation of, do I really want a shirt that says I love Jesus? I mean, I know that's weird. Like, of course I love Jesus, but I don't know, you know, sometimes different places. I don't know if people would respond well to, to you wearing that. And so there's a little hesitation. And, but finally, like, you know, a couple days later, I'm like, man, I need to get the shirt. Like I'm going to, you know, I got to set an example for these youth. And so I get this shirt and on the last day we're driving home and um, I'm wearing my shirt proudly. We're driving the SUV. I got all these youth in the back. I'm trying to act cool, like the cool youth pastor. And um, they're seeing right through it. And they're like, John, you're lame. Just drive. And so, but I'm wearing the shirt and we have to stop to get some food. And so we stop off in Homerville, Georgia. Um, if you're from Homerville, um, I'm glad that you're here and not there. Um, it's a great place. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's Homerville. I mean, it's, it kind of is its name, but the only place we could go was a subway there. And so we stop over the subway and like immediately I get out of the car and you ever have that feeling like, you know, when you're in the lunchroom, when you're in like ninth grade and you feel like everybody's looking at you. That was kind of my thought in, in Homerville, I get out of the car and there's people just looking, they're like, you're not from around here, are you? And I'm getting a little nervous, right? And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be wearing this shirt. Maybe somebody might be offended by this shirt. And there was a little bit of a feeling in me like, I wish I wore like another shirt today. Like maybe this is, maybe it's the thing. And, and I'm, and I'm feeling this, but like, I've been thinking about that recently, thinking about that feeling that I kind of had within me. And I didn't like take off my shirt or anything like that. I mean, I wore it strong, but there was that feeling of like, I don't really know. And I thought about this. And so I've got this other t-shirt 
And this is a Atlanta Braves t-shirt. It says respect on it because that's what we should do to the Atlanta Braves. And um, I like the Atlanta Braves. I'm not a, a huge fanatic, but I do like the Braves. And, and the reality is, is that I, lo- I enjoy wearing this shirt. It fits me nice. It makes my muscles look good, big because it's a really small shirt. And so I enjoy that. But the reality is, is that I would wear this shirt right into Yankee Stadium. And I would wear it right behind the dugout so I would get on TBS and be like, what's up, respect, right? No problem whatsoever. And I'm like, man, that kind of stinks. Because when I started thinking about all this, there's a scripture that stood out for me immediately. And it just, it was one of those things that immediately I thought about it. But it's in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says this, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And here's the reality. In that moment of me thinking about these, the shirt that I was wearing, I go, dang it, I'm ashamed of the gospel. And now, not to the point of where um, I think that I wouldn't still die for my faith. I, I really, truly believe that had, given the opportunity, I think that I would. But I realize that there's elements in my life that there's still some hesitation. I realize there's some elements in my life where I'm not fully sold out. And it, it was kind of a wake-up call for me. And the reality is, it's not fun to recognize that when you kind of you see something in your life that you didn't even really know that was there. But I realize that I've got to admit that. I've got to admit with where I'm at. And, and the truth is, is the Lord's working on that on me. And like through this sermon and through um, many other things, he's really been kind of tearing down some of that unbelief, some of that lack of faith and some of that, that fear in things. And, and I'm having to work through some of that, but, it, but it's tough. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that I had to come to terms with that. I had to come to terms with the reality is that I'm not always as bought in as maybe as I should be. And I think maybe some of us in this room, we've got to come to that same point because I think it's in that point that God begins really working on you. It's in those points that we come to and we say, God, like, here's my life. Here's what it is. I've, I've messed up some things and I want you to work on this stuff. I want you to help me in my, in my unbelief. And so you know, that's what's going on right now. That's what um, is, is being worked on. I think that for us, when we ask the question, do we desire for other people to know Jesus? I think some of us in this room, we can go, yeah, I do, but I probably need that to, to be worked on a little bit. I probably, that desire probably needs to increase just a little bit. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through this and I'm thinking through the, um, the reality of having this desire, but I, I came to this point where I'm like, well, the reality is this though. I'm, we're not always going to have a desire to share Jesus. We're not always going to be in the mood for it. We're not always, it's not always going to be in the forefront of our mind, no matter how hard we try, that's not always going to be the case. And I think the, that that's what, where God's word, I think really comes in. I think that when we have those moments of where we're doubting just a little bit, we have those moments where we're not in the mood to do it. I wonder how does God's word affect us in those situations, right? Many of you, you're familiar with the, uh, with the Great Commission that's found in um, the Gospel of Matthew. It's found um, at the very end of Matthew. This is very, very popular scripture. Um, but in this scripture, um, Jesus had um, just raised, was raised from the dead, and he's you know, coming back to his disciples and talking to them. And right before he ascends to heaven, um, this is what he says to them. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end 
of the age. And so many of us, we've heard that scripture before, but we've seen this, like Jesus is saying, look, like I've come and now I want you to go out. I want you to go and tell other people about this. You have a responsibility. You have something on you that like I'm commanding you to do this. And every other gospel, you know, in Mark and, and Luke and in John, we see another type, type of, of um, great commission. Um, there's other scriptures towards the end of each one of those books that there's another kind of commission to go out. We see it in Acts 1 8 where um, it talks about how we'll, we'll be his witnesses. And, and again, it's this, this idea of going out and talking to other people and witnessing about what we've seen, about what we've experienced. And I think that in those times of, of, of doubt, in those times where we're not really in the mood to do it, does God's word, does this commandment, these commandments that we see in Scripture, do they override our flesh? Do they override our desires? Do they override our um, lack of, of just being in the mood at times? And I think a lot of times when we look at commandments we see in Scripture, we kind of view it the same way we viewed it when we were growing up and our parents would ask us to go clean the room, right? They would ask us to, to go do that. But in your opinion, as a child, you're thinking, I hear you. Um, but I'm kind of got my own timeline on that one and I'm, I'll, I'll get to it. I'm, I'm about to do it, but you know, I kind of, you know, this is my room. So I kind of want to do it how I want to do it. And so the child kind of views it as it's kind of optional. It's, you know, I, I do intend to, to get around to it. Now, as a parent and many of you that have now become parents, you know, this, you don't view it as kind of an optional thing, do you? You view it as when you say, Hey, I would like you to go clean your room to you. It's like commandment number 11 in the great command or the Commandments. Yeah, Ten Commandments. Like, you view it as like, I'm telling you to do this. Like, go and do this. Like, I'm not looking for a but. I'm not looking at whether you feel in the mood to do it or whether you want to do it later. Like, I'm saying, I want you to do this now. And I think sometimes we kind of need to look at the commands we find in Scripture kind of the same way of do they carry any authority in our lives or do we kind of look at them and go, man, yeah, I kind of want to do that, but like, I kind of got my own timetable on this one. I, I'm, I'm going to get around to it. I, I know I want to do it. And and there's times that I think God's kind of going, hey, um, I wasn't really looking with whether you were in the mood to do it or whether you wanted to do it right this second. I was saying, I, I, I want you to do this now. And I feel like this is important for you to do. And, and, and I think you think about this, like in the beginning of that great commission, Jesus says this, and I think he says it for a reason. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I wonder what type of authority does that carry in our lives? What type of weight does that carry in our lives? Because I think when you begin recognizing that like Jesus, the son of God of the universe, universe says, I want you to do this. And like, I'm laying out the reality that like my, um, what I say carries weight that if we're hearing from that, like we should probably take it pretty serious. Like, and it's kind of like when it's, it's one of those things that you just have to understand that when Jesus calls us to do something like, we should recognize it as a command. We should recognize it as a commission. We, could, we should recognize it as this is something that I'm called to do. This is something that I have a responsibility to do. And, and I think that as you look through Scripture, I think you see that the, the apostles and the disciples, they understood this. I think they had, had an understanding of what this looked like. And as I was reading through the book of Acts, and Acts is you know, kind of a, an account of the early church and, and what the disciples were doing. They had you know, they'd given this, this call to go and, and make disciples. And so, so they begin going out, and you come across various scriptures that talk about this. And, and there's a scripture that really leapt off the page to me. Um, this is in Acts chapter 5. And um, there's a verse in, in, in 42 that says, Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus 
is the Messiah. And in my Bible, I underlined never stopped. Because for me, I'm like, man, they got it. They understood the responsibility and the call they had on their life. And the crazy thing is, for those of you that have read through Acts, you know that right before this scripture, these people that were talking, the apostles that were talking here, they had just gotten flawed. They had just gotten beaten. And then it's followed up. It says they got beaten. And then it says, and then they rejoiced at the very um, thought and the very privilege they had to be able to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And I'm like, that's nuts. That's crazy that they're getting beaten and they're going, praise Jesus, we're getting beaten because like people think that like it's just for the sake of the gospel, because of our obedience to the gospel, we're getting beat for this. And so they're rejoicing and praising, but they understood the reality that like, this is the call on our life and we can never stop doing it. You, you continue to see it throughout Acts and you see it in chapter 13. When this is Paul and Barnabas speaking to a group of people, and Paul says this, he says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And again, we see this call, this responsibility that these apostles and disciples, they see on their life is that we have a responsibility to go to the ends of the earth. We have a responsibility to never stop preaching this. And they, they got that. They understood the command. And so the command and the authority of Scripture over went over their, their desires or their emotions at times or their longing to, to do this. They said, look, this, this is bigger than that. This is bigger than what I feel in the mood to do. They really grabbed a hold of that. And I think when we grab a hold of that command, when we grab a hold of this desire that we need to have for others to know Jesus, what it creates in us is it creates this, this sense of urgency. It creates this sense that, like, we've got this call in to, to, to go out and to reach people for Jesus. And that's here and now. That's right this second. I think there's scriptures that we find that really help us, um, help us with that, that urgency. Um, when we read them, I think it, it really spurs us on to do things. We see it in John chapter 4, or 14, verse 6, where this is Jesus speaking. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we see the weight of that scripture that Jesus is saying, look, I'm the deal. Like no one comes to the Father except through me. And he's saying like, I am the way. And he's, he's laying this out. And we've, we've heard that scripture before and we, we understand it. But I think that sometimes we need to look at that. And I think those, those words need to really come alive into our hearts and realize like, man, it's here now that we need to tell people about this because if he's the only way, then that gives us a responsibility. We see it um, again, going back to Acts. I know I'm doing a lot of scripture, but like it's God's word. So it's really, really important. But we see this in Acts chapter four, verse 12, where it says, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And again, such a powerful and strong scripture, right? We see this and we see this scripture and it's saying, look, salvation is found in no one else. And so because of that, if that's true, and I believe that it is, it should give us this sense of urgency. Like I've got to talk about this. I got to get this out. I got to tell people about this. But I think what happens is that the danger for us of, of people's eternity isn't very real. As I said earlier, it's not in the, in the forefront of our minds. And I've heard pastors and preachers before, they kind of, they'll use this analogy of, you know, thinking about it this way. Think about if you saw, you know, a car that's swerving out of control on a road and all of a sudden you see a child and they, they walk out into the middle of the road. Like, you'd want to do anything you could to, you'd yell, you'd scream, you'd push them out of the way, you'd do anything to try to get that child out of the way, right? For you, the danger is very, very real in that moment. You can visualize it, you can see it. 
right? And I think a lot of times you can hear that story and it, it kind of like motivates you a little bit and you kind of feel like, you feel that, that burden of like, man, yeah, that, is, you know, that is somebody's attorney, that is somebody's soul and I should view them the same way as far as their relationship with Christ. But I think still, it's just a story for you. I think still, it's just something that you're like, yeah, I can see that, but it's still, it's still not coming alive for me. And I think for me, like, that's not just a story. That's something that's actually happened to me. Um, about seven or eight years ago now, um, many of you know this story. My dad was, was walking through the neighborhood to get some exercise in, in the morning, and um, there was a, a car that didn't scrape all the frost off of their windshield. And so they're driving, and they didn't see my dad standing on the road. And so they ended up hitting my dad, and he ends up getting paralyzed from about the, um, the stomach down. And in that moment, I remember it um, almost like it was yesterday. I remember I was in the, the business building over at um, Georgia Southern, and I get a call from my mom and get another call from my mom. Then I get a call from my brother. And so um, I was in class at the time. So I was like, apparently something's going on. It was about 8 a.m. And normally they don't call me that early. And so I get out of the classroom and I call my mom back. And all I hear is her crying. I hear ambulance, ambulance sirens going on in the background. And she says, your dad's been hit by a car. They got him good. You need to come home. And like you... And like this auditorium right now, in that moment, things got pretty silent in my life. In that moment, the urgency of does, not, does my dad know Jesus went to the top of my list. In that moment, I, I hang up the phone, I, I run across campus, I get in my car, and I take that three and a half hour drive up to Atlanta. And on that drive, I didn't know what I was coming home to. I didn't know whether... He was going to be alive when I got there. I didn't know whether he would be mangled when I got there. I had no idea. I didn't know anything. All I had was that one phone call of my mom saying what she did. In that moment, like, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with God. Like, God, like, I think he knows Jesus. Like, I, I feel like I've seen some stuff, but I'm still not really sure. I don't feel like we've ever really had that conversation that really, um, that we've really talked about that. I'm like, have I missed my opportunity? And I just began weeping and crying on that drive, as you could imagine, driving home, not knowing about any of that stuff. And I'm just weeping and I'm pleading, God, please let me just get to him. Please let me have one more conversation. Please give me the opportunity to be able to do this because this is my father. This is somebody that is so close to me. And in that moment, I'm sitting there and I'm weeping and I'm just broken because I, the danger of my dad's life is so real in that moment. It's so real. And many of y'all, you've had situations like that when you, re- you realize that eternity is right here. It's right here and now. And in that moment, I was just broken. And, and this week I was talking to a good friend of mine and she was talking about this. She said, you know, I'm reminded of, of in, in Lamentations when Jeremiah, it talks about him, him weeping over the city, him weeping over the city because he saw that the city was headed for destruction. He saw that their life, life Lives were headed for destruction, and he began weeping over these people because he wanted them to see what life they could have. He wanted them to understand that. And I wonder, like, how willing are we to, to do that? Or does it take somebody getting hit by a car in order for us to do that? I wonder how often, how willing are we to be able to take those moments where we say, like, and we begin breaking down because we see somebody that needs to know Jesus, and we begin going, God, like, I want this person to know Jesus. God, please, I just want them. I'm dro- broken for them. Then all of a sudden, it brings you to your knees to where you're like, God, I want them to know Jesus. I so desperately want them to know Jesus because I see the life that they're headed for. I'm just broken for them. I see all that, the life and the joy that you've given me, and I 
want that for them, God. Please, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. I'm please, I'm just weeping over this situation because they deserve to know Jesus. My dad deserves to know Jesus, and I don't want to miss an opportunity, God. So I'm just asking you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. God, come in, intervene in their life. God, I'm just asking you to give me an opportunity to, to reach them. And I wonder, like, I don't do this right here. I don't take the opportunities to do that. It took my dad getting hit by a car for me to do this. But in my everyday life, like, there's not moments when I look at the lost and go, man, I'm just broken for them. I want them to know the truth of the gospel. And, I'm, and the reality is I'm not saying that every single day you got to get down on your knees and get the Kleenex box and just boo-hoo over, over the lost. But I think there's times if, you, if we genuinely want people to know the gospel and want them to know Jesus, it's going to change our actions. It's going to change our life. It's going to change our motivation. It's going to change our hearts. And I wonder, do we have that type of urgency? Um, and I'm asking myself this, this, whenever you do a message, and for those of you that have ever given a message before, like, it's really tough because when you're doing this message, all you're thinking is, I'm the one that needs to hear this message more than anybody else. And that's the truth of this right now is that, like, this is tough for me. And this isn't always on my mind, but as I'm going through this, the Lord was just tearing me down and tearing me down. Um, not on like pushing me about, but he's, he's tearing down these layers of my life that I need to work on and I need to recognize in my life. And I think for many of you, maybe that's what he needs to do for you this morning. He needs to, to, to show you and remind you of the urgency that we have in our lives, to remind you of the command we find in Scripture, to remind you of the desire that you should have for others to know about the same thing that you have in your life. You know, I, um, when I think about this and I think about, you know, the urgency of, of reaching other people and I think about, you know, going to places like Disney World and seeing all these people, um, I was reminded of um, in the book of Matthew in chapter 9, I believe it's uh, verse 36, it talks about how Jesus looked at crowds he came across and it says that he had compassion on them. And I thought about that and I'm like, man, when he, when he entered into different places, he looked at this group of people and he was broken for them. Just like Jeremiah, he, he wept for them. He had compassion on them. He wanted them to know the truth. And in a, in a verse after that, in verse 37, we see the verse that many of us have, have read or, or heard before talking about how the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I thought about that. And I'm like, man, here's Jesus and here's him who's having compassion on this crowd, and he's looking at them. He's wanting them to, to know the truth, but he, he realizes that there's not going to be many of us that have that same type of compassion for people. And so even though the opportunity for a great harvest is there, the people that are willing to do it are going to be pretty few. And as much as I want to have the same mindset as Jesus, as I believe many of y'all in this room want to as well, that, that compassion that Jesus had for, for the lost and for people, I think that there's times that we need to grow in that area because I don't, want, I don't want God to look at this community and look at it and say, man, the harvest is plentiful here in this community, but, man, we're lacking in some workers. Like, and I wonder, man, what would happen if this church, like we got on board with that? And um, several um, months ago, we were in a, a uh, meeting in a, like a leadership meeting at our church and here and Billy, our discipleship pastor was talking about how if just one, every person in this room right now, every person that comes to church here, usually there's, you know, on average about 700 people. If each person just took one person every year 
and, and poured into them and, and loved them and shared the gospel with them. He said, in 10 years, we would have been reach, reached like 358,000 people, right? And I realized that like, you know, you take something like that and that's like, if, well, if everybody actually does and they do it every single year. And I heard that, hit that quote, I'm like, but Billy, like, that's not how things really were. That's not practical. That's not how things happen. And I'm like, man, like, again, broken on like, man, what unbelief I have. What? I look at something like that and I say, but Billy, that's not possible. And I'm like, why not? Why can that not be possible? Why? Because I think that we're not willing to just try to go and do that. We're not willing just to have a conversation with somebody. Man, like what would happen with this, this church right here? Like we got just so passionate about reaching the loss that we see community changed. And anytime I've ever seen a, a, a community change. When I first came to school at Southern, um, I got involved at the Wesley Foundation. And right before I got here, um, that ministry kind of exploded. They kind of went from about 80 people to about like 400 people in the matter of like a year. And I asked like, what happened? And they said, there was a couple people that got super on fire for the Lord. And they just began talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And because of those few people, the ministry blew up. And I'm like, man, that's so cool. And I think so often that's how it is. So often it's when a couple people get passionate about the Lord, crazy things happen. And I'm like, man, what would happen if a room this size got that passionate about the Lord? You know, and so, and and here's the thing. I know, you know, many of y'all in this room, you're hearing all this and you're like, man, you're right. That, that's good. And, and I, I need to grow in my desire, John. I understand that. And, and you know what? I probably need to recognize that, that um, God's authority um, through, through his word needs to be a little bit more prevalent in my life. And I, and I realize that there needs to be urgency. I get all that, John. And I'm with you on all that. But, but John, you got to understand, like, this scares me. Like, this is the most scariest, scariest thing for me to do. And the thing is, is, I hear you on that. I understand you on that. I'm in that same boat with you. It, it can be uncomfortable at times. It can be awkward at times. And so I don't want us to, to be in this room where you walk out today going like, you know, I know I'm called to do it, but I just don't know how to do it. And, and I think that so often we just make it more difficult than it needs to be. I know I make it more difficult than it really needs to be. When I was... Um, in Disney World, we, the last two days that we were there, we ended up going to the beach. And um, so we're, we're at the beach, and on the last day, I'm, I'm out on the beach, and I'm reading um, this, this book that um, Billy had, had given to me, and it was um, a book by a pastor up in uh, North Carolina. I was enjoying this book, and um, I'm out on the beach, and I'm sitting next to um, Natalie and, and her mom, and then there was another lady that um, Natalie's mom had met up in the lobby, and they just started chatting, and so they ended up sitting together. And um, so we're sitting there, and I'm reading my book, and then I ever so slightly— there was a little feeling of, you should probably talk to that woman about Jesus. And like a good Christian, I said, no, I'm reading my book. It's not the time to do this, right? And so um, I wasn't really having that. And so I dismissed that pretty quickly. So I continued reading my Christian book. And um, I finished up with my Christian book and, you know, check it off my list of being a good Christian. And um, so I'm sitting there and I look out over the ocean. I don't know for you, like whenever I'm at the ocean, I can kind of just see God's creation. And it's just, it's very easy to, to pray to God in those moments. Cause it's just like, you feel like he's, he's right there. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, God, um, getting ready to do this sermon on, on reaching the lost. Like, you know, what do you have for me? Like, I, I need to help you know, put this together for me. And a little bit louder this time I hear, um, you should probably talk to that woman about Jesus. And I said, um, I don't have the time to talk to her about Jesus. I need to put together this sermon on reaching the lost. I don't have time to reach the lost. I'm trying to start to do a sermon on how to reach the lost, right? And so I'm really legitimately fighting this in my mind. I don't really want to do it, but I'm like, I've got to, 
I've got to do this. And I'm like, there's no way I can do a sermon on this if I'm not willing to actually have a conversation. And so I, I did something that's very, very scary. And I prayed and said, God, give me an opportunity. And for, the, for those of you that have prayed that before, it's very scary, isn't it? Because what happens? He gives you an opportunity, doesn't he? Like, and it's, and it's, it's crazy. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, God, give me an opportunity. I'm willing, you know, here I am, send me. And so I'm doing this. And like, whenever you're trying to look for that opportunity, it's kind of like trying to jump in with like double Dutch. Like you're trying to wait for your time, right? And so you jump in, you're like, oh, I'm going, right? And so you're trying to do this and I'm looking for an opportunity. And earlier, um, we had seen a bunch of crabs out on the, on the beach and, so I'm like, hey, maybe I could bring up the crabs and talk about crabs. I'm like, no, John, that's stupid. Don't talk about crabs with her. She's going to think you're a weirdo if you just bring up crabs. Like, it's not good. And so I'm like, all right. So I shut down that idea. And then by this time, um, Natalie and her mom, they had been walking down the beach. And so we're sitting there and the lady just kind of turns to me and she says, oh, I guess they, uh, you know, left you here all by yourself. And I'm like, yeah, they did. It was weird. And it was awkward. <laughs> But I'm like, all right, at least I'm in the conversation now. And so we began talking a little bit and I was able to, to ask her about, you know, what she does for a living and, you know, where she was from. She's from up north. And so in turn, she has to do the, the civic duty of, of responding and saying, well, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I got you. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm a student pastor. I work at a church and I was able to say, you know, ask her, you know, well, you know, do you, are you involved with the church or anything like that? And I found out that, um, she had grown up Catholic, was, came from a very Catholic family and she was currently, um, dating a guy that whose like dad was Methodist, mom was Lutheran. He was dating a Catholic. So he was just confused altogether. And, but we got to talk just a little bit and we got to, hopefully I got to encourage her a little bit. And, but I realized that chances are, I'm not going to be able to um, talk through the entire foundation of the Catholic faith with her um, sitting here on the beach together. And so all of the conversation amounted to was just talking to her. And I realized in that moment that it wasn't tough to have that conversation. She wasn't against talking about you know, the, the religion topic or the Christ topic or the Jesus topic. Like she was willing to have that conversation. And I think if anything from that conversation, what I got was the converse, was, was the confidence for the next conversation. And I realized that, man, getting into this, it really wasn't that bad. Getting into this really wasn't that tough. She was a whole lot more open to it. All I needed to do was be willing to have that conversation. And I think so often, again, we make it into something bigger than it is. We think that what we have to do is we have to be like, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. And that's not it. Like, it's just sharing your life with somebody and, and telling your story to them. I, mean, I, was, I was telling you all earlier, we did that series at Youth about how to share your faith. And um, the, the last week of the series, what I had them do is I had them write out their story of how they met Jesus. I was like, I think it's really important for you to, to write this out and to know this and to have confidence in this story. And so I broke them up into groups of three. And I said, what I want you to do is I want each of you to take a turn, basically sharing your story with the other two people. And I just want you to practice getting that story out. I think the more familiar we are with that, the more that we can use it. I think the greatest way to, to, to share the gospel is to share the story of how you met Jesus. I think there's incredible power in that. And so um, I broke them up. And one of my youth, um, his name's Colin. He's a stud. I love him. And he... Um, he begins sharing his story and Colin didn't have some crazy, I've killed seven people then came to know Jesus story. He, you know, for the most part, you know, was raised in the church, but there still came a moment in his life where he realized like, I need Jesus. And so he, he told that story and told the reality of, of, of that moment that he recognized this. And so there's a girl in the group that is, it was her second time at youth. She had come many weeks before that and decided to come back again and got invited by one of her friends and She's sitting there and she begins asking him some questions about this. And she's like, you know, I've always wanted 
to, to go to church. I've always kind of wanted this, but like my parents would never really bring me. And, and I feel like what you're talking about, like, like, I want that. Like, I want that, that same thing that you've experienced. And Colin's like, well, I mean, we can, we can do that. Like, we can take care of that. And she's like, really? And he's like, well, yeah. And so Natasha, one of my leaders is, is standing right there and I mean, he's like, hey, do you mind coming and praying with us? Like, I think she wants to receive Christ. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And so they pray, boom, like receive Christ right there. And I'm like, man, how crazy is it on a week that we were practicing how to share our faith? So many came to know Jesus. Like, that's incredible. And like, I think for Colin in that moment, he recognized the power he had in his story right? I think for me, it, I, it, it showed me how much power there is in each one of our stories. But all it took was his willingness to say, hey, I'd love to share my story with you. I'd love to, sh- to tell you a little bit about my life. And normally people are, are open to that. If you say, hey, I'd love to read some Leviticus to you, they're like, I'm okay. But if you say, hey, man, I'd love to share my life with you and talk to you about what's going on in my life, normally they're, they're open for that because they know if they do that for you, then you'll take some time and listen to, the, to, to their story. And people love talking about themselves. Like every single one of you, whether you, you think it or not, you love talking about yourself. And so what a great opportunity just to, to interact with people and talk to them about that. But again, I think we make it into these things that it's not. Whenever I'm um, eating at restaurants, um, a lot of times I try to, um, at the end of the meal, invite the server to church. And I don't do it every time, but um, I look for different opportunities to, to be able to do that. And every single time, without fail, whenever I ask them that, they always respond with, you know, I've been wanting you to go, or my mom's really been wanting me to go, or, you know, I've got some friends that they've been telling me about this church, and I think it's actually your church, and they've been wanting me to come for so long. And and they're always on the verge of wanting to do this. And I spent a lot, about eight years working in the restaurant business. And so I know where a lot of those people are. They're usually um, living in, in, in extreme pain and hurt by the lifestyle that they're leading. And so they're, they're ready to change, but they just, they need that opportunity. And the reality is, is I don't know if one server I've ever invited has ever come to church before. I, I really don't. It could be that they, they've all come before, but the reality is that they just needed to be invited. They just needed that opportunity to be extended to them. They're, they're so on the edge, and all, all it was was willing to say, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this. And again, I think it's, we make it into something so much bigger than it really is. And I think, I, I was thinking about all this, and I was thinking about this whole, this whole sermon, and thinking about all these different things, and I realized that a lot of times I think the reason that we struggle with this is that it's just, like I said in the beginning, it's not on the forefront of our minds. And, and I was wondering, well, how do you get this desire? How do you grow in this, in this desire? And I thought about how um, whenever you, you go home, and maybe for you, your mom's cooking, nobody um, does better than your mom's cooking or your grandma's cooking. Or, you know, for me, it's like, I don't know about you, but like my mom, the way my mom does laundry, like the smell you get from the laundry, it's incredible. I don't know how she does it, what she does in it. Like I use all the same stuff. I can't get it to smell the same way. There's just something about it. But whenever you go home and you get that meal from the grandma or something like that, um, you forget how good it is, don't you? Like, and you go home and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And what you do is you begin telling other people about it. Like when you taste something that's just delicious, you go, you got to try this. Like this is good. You're like, man, my grandmama's mac and cheese is the best. There's no one better. Like it's the best. Like you fully buy into it because you've just, you've experienced it. You've tasted it. And what happens is you want other people to experience that. It's just a natural response that you have in yourself is that when you've experienced something, you want other people to experience that same thing. And I'm like, man, I think what happens is it's the same thing when we're away from that cooking for a while, we forget how good it is. 
When we're away from God for a little while, we're not constantly in it, we forget how good it is. And we, but when we get passionate about it, when we're excited about it, we want to tell everybody. We see that time and time again when people come to church here and they, they've never been here before and they have an awesome first experience. Or maybe they accept Christ or they recommit or they just see church in a new light. And a lot of times they'll send us a Facebook and tell us about that experience and then we'll be the the creepers and Facebook stalk them. But what's awesome is you see on their wall where they begin talking about their experience. They're like, y'all got to come check out this church. It's incredible. Like kids is awesome. Like the worship's great. The preaching's awesome. Other than when there's this guy that speaks and like, it's just, it's so good. And they want to tell other people about it because they've experienced it. They've tasted it and they want to tell other people about it. And I'm like, man, that's where that desire comes from. That's where our reckon we realize the command that we have in scripture. That's when we recognize the urgency. That's when we, you know, we realize that it's so much more than just trying to read scripture to somebody. It's just sharing life with somebody. That's when all those things come together. And I'm like, man, that's what we got to do. That's where we got to get to is to really experience Jesus for ourselves. When you do, it affects every aspect of your life. And you know, with all this, I'm thinking about all this and I realize that as I was getting re- preparing this, this message, I knew that we've heard messages like this before. We've heard the importance of reaching the lost before. You're always going to hear it at Connection. Obviously, the beginning of our mission statement says connecting all believers to God. So that's kind of priority number one for us. And so we're going to talk about it a lot. And many of you probably read, read books about the steps of sharing your faith. And, and, you know, and I think that, man, we've, we hear so many things and we see so many things. But I think it all comes down to this. When we were, uh, when I was in Disney World and I was walking through some of the parks, whenever they'd be working on new rides or new attractions, they'd put up a big wall so you couldn't see what was going on behind there. And they'd always put quotes from Walt Disney on the wall. And there's one quote that really stood out for me. And I saw it and it said this, it said, the best way to begin something is to stop talking and start doing. And I'm like, man, that should be blanketed across every church in every church office, because I think so often we're awesome at talking about it. We're awesome at reading about it. When it comes to the actual doing side of it, it's where we struggle just a little bit. And I realized that today, the past, you know, 45, 50 minutes or so, my responsibility has been to to encourage and to challenge each one of y'all. But when this message gets over, my responsibility is on myself. And I've got a responsibility when I walk out these doors, am I going to be passionate? Am I going to actually go out and be intentional to reach the loss. And so honestly, I feel like the best thing for me to do right now is to stop talking and to start doing. And so today I hope you've been challenged. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. Our prayer team's available. You can go out right out these doors. Maybe for you, you've sent that, that urgency just for yourself and you realize you've never sealed that deal and you want to be able to do that. We'd love the opportunity for you to be able to do that, but don't miss out on this opportunity um, to be prayed for. They would love to pray, to pray with you. And so, um, as always, you can give your tithes and offerings as you leave. But I hope you all have a great day. Join us next week as we continue this series in this house. See you all.